Hello, this is Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training in day number 16 of lockdown, quarantine. Uh, Rob, we have a special guest with us here today. Uh, we have John Frader. Uh, he founded the Chattanooga-based company along with his wife. And uh, I believe it was 1990, John, uh, uh, Frader's yes. story. Yes, it was. Yeah, let's, uh, before we get started, uh, maybe just give us a little brief background about yourself. Well, I, first of all, I appreciate you guys allowing me the opportunity to talk about my business. Uh, I, you better put me on a clock because, you know, I, everybody that listened to me talk once or twice said, keep it short and simple. And I just, I can't seem to do that. So any kind of uh, shout at me, scream at me, tell me to shut up, do whatever. Well, it's just, not uh, John, we'll just, when you hear the bell, start a new <laughs> round of song. Uh, I'm, I'm tone deaf. So, you know, you better ring that bell loud. Oh, don't worry. It's here, no. baby. No, I appreciate you guys uh, letting me on to talk. Uh, you know, the history with Bone and Praters has been great. We've uh, we've formed a great partnership over the last 20 years or so. And, and I know you guys are committed to always looking forward in the business, and as do we. And it's just, it's a good partnership. And good opportunity to get in here and just talk about basketball courts, which is what we do for a living. And um, like you said, I, I moved to Chattanooga in 1990. Um, my wife and I were living in Dallas, uh, moved back to my hometown and started uh, calling on schools for screening and recoding their floors or sanding their floors, anything that's cleaning their floors, anything that they would let me do. And, and as I was kind of preparing for our talk today, I was reminiscing and thinking about what it was like in 1990 as a, really as a salesperson going into schools, <clears throat> so much different than it is today. Um, what I would do, the you know, first thing I did was got on the phone and called as many people as I could to find a director of maintenance or an athletic director and just anybody that would give me the time of day. But then I would go out, uh, multiple days a week and just drive around the the beautiful Tennessee, North Georgia, Alabama countryside. And as I would pass a school, you know, the roof in a gym is the highest roof in the school. So you know exactly where the gym is all the time. So I'd pull back behind the school and just walk in. And lots of times it's PE going on, and I would ask the PE teacher, who may very well be the basketball coach, and introduce myself. And I could meet personally, person to person, with coaches and athletic directors in the early 90s and really probably throughout the 90s. Now it's a completely different different story, and it makes the athletic directors and the coaches a little bit harder to, to get to now. You know, and I, I know we've got the internet, and you can always find people's email and shoot them an email, but it's a big difference doing that and actually being able to walk into a gym and shaking a coach's hand and looking him in the eyes and being able, being able to even evaluate their court to see if we could be of service as opposed to just clicking on an, uh, on a, on an email, constant contact or whatever that you don't know whether they're even going to look at or not. So it's right. just the, the – the way to go to market has changed. Uh, we've, we've, I think we've done a really good job in staying up with technology and, and the trends for that. We were, we were very early in the game in the nineties with a website. Um, and, and 
how much that's changed in uh, 20 years is amazing too. But, uh, you know, went out and, and, you know, I sold one. Somebody actually listened to what I said and said, okay, and uh, allowed me to do the work. And then I had to do the work beyond reproach so they would spread the word and somebody else would hire me. And that's pretty much how it started. Um, uh, started at the middle school and high school level in, in um, southeast Tennessee, basically doing screen and recoats of basketball courts. Nice. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the happiest crews I think I've ever had the pleasure of working with, John. And that would be who? Because we're all happy here. So, I mean, that's what, what I meant. Surround- your crew, John. Uh, your I'm guys. Surrounded by, your gang. I'm surrounded by just un- unbelievable um, people. It's, it's funny. Right now, I'm at Shelbyville Central High School in Shelbyville, Tennessee. I'm looking out. I'm stand, I'm sitting in the bleachers, looking out over a high school basketball court that's been sanded and sealed. We're striping it out right now. The reason I'm up here, I've got two lead painters up here, lead painters, I tell you, up here that have never painted a high school basketball floor because they've never painted a court that actually had goals. And so they've done these two painters with me have painted the final fours and the Olympics and the conference championships and the, the stuff that you see on TV. That's absolutely amazing, but they have never plumb bobbed a goal. So that's why I'm up here <laughs> is uh, working with them to teach them how to stripe out a high school basketball and a high school volleyball line. And, and what the difference is in a permanent, high school situation versus the portable floors that we normally do. But I got the best group around, man. They're, they're unbelievable. The, um, it starts with myself and my partners, Debbie Prater, who runs all of the financial insurance compliance stuff that just drives me crazy. And Mark Graney, who is just the visionary um, person that he, he takes our vision and, and, and puts it into reality and into a workable situation. So, that little that little group has been, you know, we feel like we've changed the face of basketball courts um, over the last 20 years, uh, put into practice a lot of things that were innovative and different, and um, that could, I couldn't have done it by myself. There's no way. I mean, I, you can only – anybody, it doesn't matter if it's me or anybody else, you can only go so far by yourself. You have to surround yourself with awesome people that have the same – you know, or like-mindedness, have the same goals, have the same values, and uh, and I've been very blessed to be surrounded by that throughout. Um, people, even people that have come and gone through freighters. We've, there's been 17 companies that have been um, started through the freighters, uh, through this freighters venture over the last 30 years because of just thinking outside the box, being innovative, being having an entrepreneur spirit, not saying no, and a can-do attitude. And I think that's what's probably um, allowed us to do the things that we've done over the years. Well, I think that for anybody that's not familiar with uh, Prater's Morning, um, if you watch an NBA game today or an NCAA game, um, and you see some of these fabulous boards, I mean, Prater's Floors was a pioneer and an innovator in that side of the business. And I think if some of these floors are not theirs, a lot of those were influenced by what the Praters were doing down there in Chattanooga. Thank you. 
you know, it's interesting to me because I, 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 I've said it before and I, I, I've never really seen this happen before where somebody brings in really all their competitors and invites them in to, to, uh, to see exactly what you guys are doing and, and put on a school to, to show these techniques that you, you've come up with over the years and, and designs and, uh, and uh, different procedures on the floors and, and share your technology. And I think, you know, uh, it's, it's very uh, commendable to have somebody do that, to share their their, their technology and, and things that they they figured out that took, let's face it, I mean, um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears goes into coming up with all those techniques, and to share it like that is, is impressive to me. Well, so, yeah, and I, I appreciate those kind words, Wayne, but it's also selfishness that did that. So we, 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 when we, when we first started staining courts, white staining, pigmenting courts, um, and, uh, playing around with the different tones, um, we could have kept it to ourselves, but we, we have an ongoing graphic design service that sells logos to, uh, sports flooring companies around the country. And we felt like the more we were seen as the leaders, uh, the more business that we would get. I mean, quite frankly, this is, you know, the ultimate goal is, you know, to always be on top and, you know, pushing through with sales and, and profits so that you can, you can do and hire and, and employ and, and do things that, that you want to do. So, I mean, we, we, we did talk about it. We talked about do we keep it to ourselves or do we invite the um, in, invite people in? And and we invited people in because we wanted those kind of relationships. And and I mean, the people that we came in to teach taught us a lot more than we ever taught them. And and that's what so much of this is about. Is we don't have all the answers. We've made every mistake in the book. Believe me, I personally have made them all. Um, some of them twice, which shows you my intelligence level. But um, you know, it is it's it's a way to um, uh, collaborate with other people in the same industry, your your contemporaries, and it makes us makes us better. When we started our graphic design business, very interesting is our biggest competitor is Simon Signs, and it, and they started they had the idea. At the exact, we thought we were awesome. They had the idea at the exact same time that we did, and I think the competition between the two of us has actually pushed that envelope for graphic design services to where it's now just normal part of the business um, instead of something that was um, was just not very well. Not 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 too many people were doing it. And and now from uh, from from little Chattanooga, Tennessee, to all over the world. I mean, you guys are uh, it's, uh, really all over the globe. <laughs> it's 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 taking myself and a lot of us around the world doing basketball events. So, you know, our our company getting back to the early '90s and how things have changed was um, one of the things that I never understood was low bid, and I didn't. I didn't grow up in this business, so I wasn't familiar with public school and public money. And 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 back in the early '90s, it was everything was bid. It was bid every year. The low bid wins. 
yada, yada, yada. And, and we, I never thought that that was a good way for to spend public money because I didn't think that there was a whole lot of, of, uh, people being held to the accountability for the people that did the work. They were the low bid, they got the job. And then it was like, well, you know, so it was crap. It was, they were the low bid. And, um, so we were very instrumental in starting multi-year unit cost contracts with public schools that put skin in the game for both the school system and the contractor to um, have long-term warranties on their courts. And that's something I'm very proud of that we instituted in the early 90s. Now, through cooperative purchasing agreements that people hear about, you know, have heard about over the last two or three years. We've been doing them for 15, 20 years. So by bringing guys in and training them, that kind of reminds me of one of Wayne and I's favorite uh, favorite sayings. How's it go, Wayne? Rising tide? Well, I'm not, yeah. yeah, that's on you. I don't, I'm not going to go into that one again. Come on, let's try it. I, I think we can get it. The rising, <laughs> the rising tide raises all boats. Yes. Right? Exactly. Isn't Absolutely. that what we're looking for here? Yeah, and and I, I tell you, we've done some incredible projects. I mean, artwork, but so is a lot of other people around the country. I, I get on, you know, Facebook, social media, websites, looking at some of the work that many, many contractors around the country are doing these days, and it's 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 cool. And yeah, there's well, there's five thousand foot murals now. <clears throat> there's it's a not lot just of basketball. Static. I look at some of these courts and I I wonder how they can even ref the game. It's tough to see the lines. Uh, They're so beautiful. They're like uh, a giant painting. <clears throat> yeah, I I just to, to me it is um, it's an opportunity for wherever you go, whether it's an elementary school, middle school, high school, college, NBA brand has become very important and um and we 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 feel like we started the trend um and back in the early 90s buying a 486 computer with corel draw one and and compiling logos and giving a coat three or four different full color design ideas on what we could do for a basketball court back in 1993 that was unheard of. And, um, and that's, you know, our, our growth is that has been from the branding side, from going into any facility and say, we're going to make this a show place. What kind of message do you want to send out to your community? And that's how we, that's, that's what we've done and kind of how we've grown our business. Cool. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the edge grain. Yep. Well, the edge grain, it was awesome, and we've we've kind of we've gotten away from it. We've talked about getting back into it, but that was our outlet was the edge grain to be able to put training videos out there, make stupid videos. Just you know, our anybody will tell you my company is it ain't about work; it's about having a good time, and so. When we're going, when we're traveling the world or traveling the country, we're not just going to work. I want everybody to experience wherever they're going. Same deal with the edge grain is the experience of what we do every day. So you know, we got one that 
that uh, got a guy dropping from a from a ceiling, Mission Impossible style, to do a board repair. We got. Can't, can NASCAR, we hold on on that? Ride. That can can we hold on? <laughs> that is one of my yep. favorite edge grain videos. Is Wayne the? I don't know if you saw that video, but it starts out. Yeah. We're going to show you how to repair a board today. And then the Mission Impossible music starts, and the guy repels down on a rope from the ceiling and starts to replace the board. It's hysterical. And that's what I meant about that's what I meant about your crew in the beginning of the podcast here was how much fun that they have. What a, and you know just a fun crew to be around. And uh, I think it was things like that. Well, that's that's where where Mark Franey has come in. You know, he his artistic style, his um, his always thinking outside the box, and always not only it's one thing like me. I think outside the box, and I'm creative, and I'm artistic, and I put a lot of this. I've, I've been the background of a lot of this stuff, but I'm not the guy that got it done. And, and actually, it's one thing to have a concept, but it's also another thing to write a storyboard. And Mark is amazing at the storyboard. And the storyboard is not just edge grain videos. The storyboard is everything that is that is about our company, our mission statement, our attitudes, what that's all basically you have to communicate that and um and uh being able to put the ideas into reality is what mark has brought to the table from day one and being able it's it's like i tell everybody it's real easy to talk about stuff i can go out and talk about stuff all day long but you gotta do it and um and it was a lot of fun i mean it was and and we from that from that we were able to um involve ourselves with other people in the in the business that we're in um but well, i remember when mark called me and mark called me and he said hey we want to do a color you want to do an edge grain and he told me what the edge grain was and we did the whole uh how to stain maple and all that stuff and yep uh that was the first time I had ever done anything like that. And Mark had all the gear and the setup and, you know, it was yep. pretty cool working with him on that. But, um, my boss at the time, Bill Price said, the way you were talking, you look like, uh, one of the hostages was about to have their head cut off. I go, yeah, I'm not good on camera. I don't have a face for camera, but if any, all of our listeners, if you want to see another funny edge green video, um, the interview with Bill Price was hysterical. I, that, so was that, was, the... that was probably eight or nine years ago. Casey Wilson was the interviewer. She's interviewing him while she's making a sandwich. It's, oh, it's, my it's, God. It's She'd hilarious. ask a question, and he would go off, and she's making a sandwich and falling asleep. It was it was some funny stuff. His, his, Anybody his listening to the podcast was, today, jump on the Edge Grain website and uh, watch a couple of these videos. They're really, really funny. The the best quote from Bill was, you know, maple trees, they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, John, this is this has got to be a strange time of year for you. I mean, uh, you guys put your heart and soul into these uh, these gym floors, and uh, the NCAA is getting canceled uh, with a tournament. Yep. Um, all, all that yep. three months prior to that, all that all that blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, where do you go from there? Well, so I'm optimistic all the time. I have been from day one. My daddy called me the world you know, biggest optimist. And um, so when I look at, you know, we had, we were, it was, it was a shock. Um, Thursday to Thursday, whatever day it was, what day did you say we were in on this thing? So it must be 14, 16 days ago. I'm 16 days in quarantine. My wife is going to leave me. So the, Basically, the quarterfinal rounds of all the conference tournaments that Thursday morning at 11.20, I get a text message from the Southeastern Conference saying that they are going to cancel the tournament. And my daughter was our tech at that job, immediately called her, and um, she said, yes, it's over. Within 10 minutes, we had we had people at the SEC, the ACC, the AAC, the Big 12, Conference USA, Sun Belt, Southern Conference, Big Twelve, Big East, um, wow. Atlantic Ten. I was at the Atlantic Ten in Brooklyn, and um, uh, it was a shock. Ten minutes, it went, um, it, it went south that fast. And I was looking at Mark uh, Franey, and I looked at him at eleven thirty and said, "March Madness is not going to happen." And um, so, you know, we were, first of all, we were in shock, but at the same time, we had, we had court, those were all courts that we maintained in store and where we were renting or, or whatever. And so we had um, support personnel at every one of the venues. And so it went from, hey, it's time to play basketball to complete cancellation. We need to get the floors up. And so we went into a setting up trucks setting up people, setting up everything it need we needed to do to get our employees back in town. That was first and foremost. Um, we were in the process of doing the Final Four. That was canceled. Um, we're the only people that have really seen those courts, which is kind of disheartening. Um, but uh, we're also in the process of doing six courts for the Olympics. And we're continuing, even even though we went a week or 10 days after the cancellation of Final Four, final cancellation of the Olympics last week, or the, not the cancellation, but the rescheduling. Uh, but they've told us to continue on, and, and uh, okay. we're finishing those that's that's up, and we're going to store them until next year. Mark had just been to Tokyo a couple of weeks before, and we actually had an event scheduled in Tokyo in May. That obviously is no longer so, and and so we you know we finished all of our contractual obligations for all that stuff, get paid for it. Everybody's cool. Um, what really hurt was we lost the McDonald's All American Game, the Dos Equis Three on Three, the Powerade Jam Fest, the Jordan Brand Classic, wow. CBS Broadcast Area, Coca Cola events at the uh, Final Four, and so this week wow. and next week we were scheduled to be. Uh, you know, a good majority of our employees on those events, and they just absolutely went away. And so that's hurt. But what's cool 
is we're diversified. We're in the schools. We do more school work than we do. Everybody sees our portables and the, you know, the the high end stuff, the real high profile stuff. But I mean, we we recoat floors for school systems. We sand floors for school systems. We put in permanent floors, do repairs. And so luckily, we've been able to move our employees into the schools over the last two weeks and continuing through the spring because schools are out. And I don't think school, schools aren't going to come back in, man. Ain't no way. Right. No way. They, well, this, this school you know, year is over. Yeah. Being, being around your guys, though, John, what I like about your guys, you guys put the same amount of uh, care and, 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 and quality into those high schools as you do in those NBA courts. So it it is you know, you're, I'm only as good. I can go out and sell anybody as long as I believe what I'm selling. So I tell everybody we're the best thing since sliced bread, right? But I've got to have people that are the best things <laughs> since sliced bread behind me. And that's the, that's the hard part is, is, you know, making sure that you're a good employer, that you're fair to your employees. You make a great, you make a great work environment for them. You take care of them because, you know, a lot of people that do basketball courts for a living spend Monday through Friday away from home, and we want to get them home. We want to we want them to be home for the weekends. We we want them. We don't want to put them out on the road day in and day out every week because it's a rough, that's a rough thing to subject anybody to. So again, we're blessed to be able to have a large facility. We can do. We can do eight, we can do nine portable basketball floors comfortably at one time under one roof. Um, so it allows us to rotate people in locally too and give, give them home time. And all we, the 98% of our business is with our own employees and, and, uh, you know, they have health insurance and the real employees, their background check, fingerprinted, blah, 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 all the compliance stuff that you have to do. And, and uh, we try to make it a good work environment. Well, hey John, what are some of your go-to Bona products? <laughs> well, let's just get right to the point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, right to so, the point here. First and, first and foremost, you know, again, I sound like a broken record, but I was the first guy to to take on water-based finish as a contractor to the Masters back in 1990. Um, and I did it again for a selfish reason because I was able to extend my summer months. I wasn't stinking the schools out by putting oil-based finish down in the schools. So we've we've been a pioneer and continue to be a pioneer in water-based products. Um, the bonus, the bonal water-based system is is great for us. It it is a totally packaged system with seal paints and finishes with great support from. Um, the corporate offices and um, a product that goes down uh, super sport, uh, you know, goes down great and it goes down clear. It stays clear. And uh, our, you know, and this is what I tell everybody is it's the product is only as good as what the people who use it tell you because they're using it every day. And, our employees, our guys that are out there, you know, coding uh, millions of square feet of wood a year, come back and they love your product. And so that's, that's, you don't have to sell me. Bill doesn't have to sell me. 
Phil doesn't have to sell me. Our employees sell me, right? So um, we're we're big water-based guys, and um, we like the the super super sports system. Uh, are you using that so, on your decals? Yes, we are. So we have. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the decals. Okay. 2008, we did our first NCAA tournament, and the NCAA supplied us with a vinyl decal as the center logo. If anybody, if everybody remembers the NCAA, um, first time they had their courts, they had a big blue disc out in the middle of it, NCAA written over over the side. The first year that they did that, 2008, it, they, they they were NCAA provided decals. Well, we did the work. We sanded the floor, painted everything else. And then they gave us this decal to stick on the floor. Well, we're floor guys, and we're graphic design guys, but we're floor guys first. And so after we did this work and finished the floor and we squeezed this logo down in the middle of the floor, we got out there on top of it, and it's slick as crap. And we're like, we can't send this this way. So we slapped some water-based finish on it um, before we shipped it and didn't tell anybody. Well, that year, there was four courts. And there were complaints from all of them except for ours, which was in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And we knew that we were on to something. And so it, it was a from 2008 to 2019 when we received our patent for our decals. It's been that much in the research and development and tweaking of the product. And so we have a graphic that we pre-finish, a vinyl graphic that we pre-finish in our shop that can be squeegeed down on the floor and has the same coefficient of friction. It's passed the MFMA lab test for coefficient of friction. Uh, just has super sport because that's what's on it. Um, and squeegee it down, and uh, it's good to go. Now, we've, we've found a way to bond that to where we can um, roll it up and send it out, and it is patented. So... For the listeners out there, it is patented. So keep that in mind. We spent a lot of money, a lot of time uh, developing this product, and um, it is one that uh, uh, we're able to do very the highest level of competition with those graphics, the Maui Invitational, the Jimmy B Classic, the CBS Sports Classic. Um, the State Farm Classic, McDonald's All-American Game, Powerade Jam Fest. Those are all decals. The Atlantic 10 Conference was all decals, including the game line. So was Conference USA. And we've we've been able to get the warm and fuzzies from the NCAA and from coaches um, at the highest level, uh, um, championship coaches to get behind our product and they know that it's safe. And so we're going to protect that patent at all costs because we spent a lot of money on it. And where our reputation right. is that nobody slips on them. So if somebody's going to go throw some decals on a floor and it slips and it's caught on TV and ESPN catches it and it's not ours, it still hurts us because decals, um, were put down on basketball courts and they were unsafe. Um, and so the NCAA made rulings that you, but it's hard to enforce. And um, so we're, we're going to enforce it. Now ours, we, we primarily do vinyl decals for temporary application. I know that there's people out there putting permanent vinyl graphics on, 
not my thing. I, you know, we're very forward thinking. We're very innovative people. Uh, we're the ones that came up with all this stuff. And it's hard for me to spend the kind of money um, to do a lane in vinyl, even though you can do a digital graphic and it looks awesome. You do have seams. The vinyl can rip because it's vinyl and it's and it's very thin. Uh, it can it can curl. It can stretch. It, it 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 is. But the biggest thing is those permanent vinyl graphics are going to be screened and recoded ten times, and then sooner or later these schools are going to say, "Hey, we want to change our design," and somebody, some poor sander out there is going to be hitting this vinyl and it's going to be ugly. I don't know how you're going to get it off the floors without without tearing up equipment, without um, tearing up floors. So that's my take on things. I don't have the answer for everything. I'm not, you know, out there saying, but, you know, it's just like pigmenting a floor versus staining a floor. You know, I, if you're going to stain a, if you're going to stain a city scope into a floor, you're putting that city scope in permanently. If you're going to stain a three-point area, not that big a deal. If you're going to stain a lane or if you're going to stain a border, not that big a deal. We pigment everything because we want to sand it off at the end. And I know people out there are going, well, it just doesn't look as good. Okay, maybe it doesn't. I think it looks great. It's just one man's opinion over the other. Um, and we can do any color, any shade with a pigmenting versus staining. And we know that it's going to sand off. And we've seen so many of these courts because we repurpose all the NCAA courts every year. All of them are staying. And we re, we've, we've bought back cityscape floors that we've tried to sand off that, that won't sand off because they were staying. So, you know, sooner or later, yeah. as long as the customer knows, as long as people are saying, hey, Mr. Customer, Mr. Principal, Superintendent, Maintenance Director, you know, if we do this, there's a chance that it's permanent. And if they're doing that, that's cool. That's I'm all good with it. But not my thing. I, I don't I don't like staining floors. I like pigmenting floors and most everybody knows that's the position I take. Well, to compound that, when guys are seeing these floors, uh, because it's maple, a lot of times they're water popping these floors, allowing that stain to penetrate deeper into that wood, making it even more difficult to sand off down the road. It it ain't gonna it's not gonna come out. It won't come out. Yeah, and I've sanded yeah. too many of them. So you know, as long as the customer well, knows that, and you know, if you're standing, if you're if you're standing a board, if you're standing a border, you're you're probably going to repaint that border. So, I mean, that's not a big deal. If, but you know, if you're if you're blue staining or red staining a three point area, you're going to see it, man. Uh, yeah. Sooner or later, you know, things change. There's how many how many basketballs on the on the top of the keys are there anymore? You know, that was a fad in the 90s. That's gone away. Fads change. People's, yeah. people's uh, tastes change. So sooner or later, it's got to come off. And when it comes off, well, I don't want to be the guy looking at the superintendent going, well, uh, yeah, yeah, we stained that 10 years ago, and, you know, now we can't get it out. Right. One of the you hear that, that Wayne? Really Wayne, did you hear what he said? How fads change? You, you got to stop wearing the corduroy pants. That's it. They got to go. <laughs> hey, gotta stop that rumor. <laughs> hey, keep keep the wide collar and the gold chain, though, man, because that's <laughs> really good. All right. I'm hey, John, I, you got to. Uh, we're getting towards the end here, but 
you got to tell everybody. No, we're just getting started, man. <laughs> Come on. They you got to tell us about the very first floor. You got to tell us about the very first floor you ever coded. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you're at so the top is... of the mountain. This shows everybody that you really did start at the bottom and climbed all the way to the top. So. No, it's going to show you that I was, I was stupid then, and I'm stupid now. So, uh, okay, so it was like a 5,000-square-foot YMCA. It was over the Christmas holidays. It was 1989. I had sold a screen and recoat for like $600. A school system that I knew had set, I don't know how long it had been in his warehouse. But he just goes, I got some finish. I'll give you some finish for this. I was like, I'll take it. And so I had, uh, you know, and I never put, I guess I had put a little bit of oil down, but not much. And I had an easy way. And um, it was brand spanking new. And, you know, like everybody else, I I cut the, the big square out so you could pour finish into it instead of pouring it through the out and uh so i filled that thing up to the brim and uh i i started in the corner and i i, I pulled the rod and it went drip drip <laughs> drip and i'm like oh god what's wrong it's not coming out so i'm trying to figure out if it's clogged up what the deal is so i'm down on my knees this thing is full I'm trying to look up underneath it to see if there's something in the nozzle and I'm holding it up with my, with my, the handle up with my arm and it spins and dumps about, I don't know, a gallon and a half right over my head. And, um, so yeah, that was a problem, but there was not a thing I could do about it because I had this two gallon three-gallon puddle in the corner of this gym, my first one. And so I ended up pouring, you know, and pulling with the easy way across the floor to get it done, pouring out a five-gallon bucket and snow plowing it across. And uh, oh, uh, and so and it took me like, I don't know, two hours to do 5,000 feet. By the time I was able to... Um, you know, assess the trophy situation in my hair, it was two and a half hours later. So anybody out there want to know how to get trophy out of your hair, just call me and I will put you on the right path. And But I can I can also tell you this, is that that finish must have been like five years old. It, it may be longer, but I walked in the next day and that sucker was glass, man. I mean, it was thick. You could, I, there was I, I didn't put another coat on it because it already had like five on it when I was after I got done. But it was probably one of the one of the shiniest floors I ever did. And and uh, who knows what all had, had evaporated out of that thing? But it was thick. I can promise you that. Uh, I'll take that as a win. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, so, before we go, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, I'm always fascinated. We have the the privilege on this uh, podcast to talk to a lot of contractors around the country, and um, you know, Rob, all of his te- all of his schools. Uh, one of his goals is to 
to tell, teach guys how to upsell yourself and separate yourself from everybody else. And, yep. and I mean, you're the epitome of that. I mean, you, from where you started and recognizing that, you know, uh, some of the, uh, some of these jobs are raised to the bottom. How do you make yourself different than everybody else? And then to just keep, you know, keep, keep ramping up the game and getting better and better. And one thing I, I see the guys that have in common, guys, you know, we talked to like a Lenny Hall and, and, and Sprig Lynn and some of these guys across the country, um, that you never stop learning and uh, you're always evolving with the industry, trying to stay on the cutting edge of it. And so, um, uh, uh, and another thing too, John, as I have to say, is the attitude. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've talked to four guys that after five years, they shut it down. I know everything I need to know. You know, you can't teach. I mean, yep. don't need to go to school. I, I already got it. I see some guys shut it down after 10 or 12 years or 20 years. But, man, the best, never shut it down. You're always learning, right? So we're, you know, it's, there's many people that have been the innovators that have gone by the wayside. And, and so uh, I know, Wayne, you're still on America Online, aren't you? I mean, those, they were the yep. – they were yep. the – they were the innovators, but they're, they've gone pretty much by the wayside, Netscape, places like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just because you're the innovator doesn't mean you're going to you're going to stand the test of time. Um, I tell you, going back to what you said is it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're doing floors or schools or whether you're in homes or commercial or whatever. We have um, we go to market with and this is going to sound I don't know how it's going to sound, but we go to market with a handshake and look at them in the eyes, tell them what the price is, pay me when I'm done, when you're happy. Our price is not going to be the cheapest price, but you're going to get excellent workmanship. So if they bite, especially with public money, if they hire Praters and Praters is not the low bid, then I have put that coach, principal, maintenance director, superintendent's neck on the line because it's easy for him just to take the low bid. Then there's no – Right. Repercussions. He followed the law. Yeah. Um, but when they hire me and I'm not, then we have to be above reproach. And I think, again, that's what kind of that's that's what drives me with all of our employees and including myself is um, we have to be we have to be beyond reproach we have to do excellent work day in and day out and um, stand behind what we do because we want to keep everybody and that's that's something we haven't kept everybody we failed in that regard many many times just like everybody else has um, but but we still strive to do that all the time to be immaculate and um, and something that the community should be very proud of because I want them to call me back. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Well, John, I, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a pleasure for us and get to know you a little bit more um, and uh, about your business. Again, this is John Prater, uh, Prater's Flooring down in Chattanooga. And uh, again, I, I, I started at the beginning of this podcast and I, I mean it. I mean, to, to be a uh, a pioneer in this side of the flooring. I mean, for a hundred years, I swear, every gym floor looks the same. I mean, it was either water-based or oil-based, and most likely oil-based back in those days. And uh, now you look what – you just turn on a game. Sometimes I turn on a game just to look at the floors. So I uh, really want to thank you, John, for your time today. and appreciate you being here. Hey, can I iterate one other thing? 
Yes, absolutely. Am I, am I, am I past my time? If I had you hit the No, no. You, we're we're going yeah. yeah. to cut most of you out, John. Don't worry about it. Okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> so I'm going to – hell, I'm going to talk for another hour then. Um, so I, I, I do want to – I do want to talk about the times that we're in a little bit because it has affected our business. Yeah. And yeah, I know it's affected a lot of other businesses. Um, I have to be optimistic about everything that's going on. And if, if, if people will um, stand, stand by, I firmly believe that this economy is going to come back. It's going to come back very strong. And, um, We've got to we've got to weather the storm, and we've been able to even though we've lost a lot of business and we're going to continue to lose business this year. We're thinking of ways that we can um, still have a good year, still maintain what we're doing. And so again, if you're if you're now's the time to think out of the box because it's it's a lot harder now. And it's going to be a lot harder for the short term, but we're all going to come out of this just fine. And just um, if, if anything, I can I can tell people is hang in there, man, because it ain't all doom and gloom. Couldn't Amen. agree more. We're going to come back bigger and better than ever. And man, we are going to be cranking into the end of the summer and into the fall. Well, I'm I'm standing on that, man. So out of your mouth, it's. Great yeah. God, buddy. So there you go. Good deal. So this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.